0: Welcome to the Beyond Devices podcast. My name is Jan Dawson, and with me is Aaron Miller. This is our question of the week episode for this week. We haven't done one of these for a couple of weeks now, Uh, both being kind of busy, but uh, we wanted to do one this week uh, focused on Apple's health, fitness, wellness, medical portfolio, if you like. And the trigger for this is that last week I spent a day in LA during which I had a series of briefings with Apple about this area, essentially both Apple's own first-party health, fitness, wellness uh, offerings, whether hardware, software, or services, Uh, and then also hearing about a variety of third-party items that have built off the various platforms that Apple has offered to both software and hardware makers, so I feel like I'm in a better position now than I have been ever before to kind of walk you guys through some of what Apple's doing here. So the the big question that we'll be answering today is just kind of what is the state of Apple's uh, health and fitness and and broader wellness and medical portfolio, and where might it go from here? So we'll spend some time towards the end of this uh, time just talking through some of the possibilities for, for what might be next from Apple in this area. Uh, but we'll spend most of the time going through uh, some of the um, things that Apple's already announced, kind of some of the history and so on. So um, that's going to be what we talk about today. So I'll be answering the questions and Aaron will be asking them.
1: well, I, I think it'd be good for us to start with a historical review, Jan, in part well for a couple of reasons one, this has been an evolving strategy, but two, I think it would it would be interesting and probably even surprising to think back on where the history of this lies. It it feels like such a young and fresh part of Apple and its business, but uh, my suspicion is it goes deeper than that. So, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, kind of give us a historical perspective on on what Apple's been doing with health. Sure. So, um, in a formal sense, I think Apple's commitment to this
0: area really started in two thousand and fourteen. So we just kind of passed the three year anniversary of when this already kicked off in earnest when apple announced a set of new products both for consumers and for developers at WWDC in June of 2014 uh, which would end up coming out uh, publicly in iOS 8 in September that year uh, and the main components at that time were the health app for consumers and then health kit as a as an sdk essentially for developers to Uh, integrate with that health app to feed data into it, pull data out of it and so on. And a whole set of kind of rules and processes and frameworks and so on that would govern all of that. So that was really the big announcement. And the health app when it first launched uh, was fairly simple, just a kind of a way to consolidate lots of data about your personal health. So uh, if you measured your vital signs, they could go there. If you had some kind of a connected scale that could report your weight, that could integrate with that and record your weight in there. For example, if you had a fitness tracker or if you used the iPhone's uh, motion processes to track a workout or something like that, you could then feed that data in there. And so it was a way to kind of capture a lot of data about your health. Uh, and then HealthKit, of course, was the way that developers would get stuff into there. Um, those have both evolved over the years, uh, adding additional functionality. One of the criticisms early on, for example with the health app was it didn't do anything with regard to reproductive health. So for women who wanted to track periods or ovulation or other things like that, there was no way to do that within the app. There were certainly plenty of third-party apps you could do uh, some of those things with. And and this is gonna be something of a theme, I think, in what we'll talk about today. Apple eventually baked that right into the health app itself and allowed uh, tracking of that both directly and and with third-party apps feeding into it. And there have been other things as well. So there's sort of an an in-case-of-emergency type function now uh, you can sign up to be a blood donor within the health app now, uh, or not a blood donor, an organ donor. You can, you can kind of register your interest in being an organ donor there, which is something people in the U.S. typically only do when they register for a driver's license, which is a slightly bizarre process, uh, but that's just kind of the way it's always worked. But that was really when ke- things kicked off, was that June of 2014. Clearly a lot of work had gone on before that to build that functionality, both for consumers and developers. Um, You know, you've speculated before, Aaron, that perhaps uh, some of what Apple's done in this area was sparked by Steve Jobs' illness and his frustrations at not being able to manage his own care better. That certainly seems plausible to me, that he took a personal interest in this and kicked off a lot of those efforts. But the first sort of public sign of that came three years ago, at WWDC, so obviously there were bits and pieces before that as well, the motion processors and the iPhone being able to track movement and so on had come before that, but it was a fairly disjointed thing rather than as this sort of single unitary, unitary sort of approach to health. Um, the next big step was March 2015. I mean, you could argue the f- that we saw a preview of what was coming next in September 2014 with the sort of first discussions of the Apple Watch and so on, but it was really March 2015 when the, the real launch event for the watch happened that Apple announced the next phase of all of this, which was. Um, the final Apple Watch hardware and pricing and everything that would go along with that, but also announced something called Research Kit, which was another SDK. This one uh, aimed to allow developers to create apps to do medical research using the iPhone, so allowing uh, tracking of various things through an iPhone app, whether that was touches on the screen, whether it was speaking into a device and being able to detect tremors, being able to detect response times, And various other things and then allow tracking for research studies through the iphone so that was research kit and that was announced in march 2015 alongside the watch hardware the watch hardware of course was also a big part of how health evolved. So in March two thousand, oh, sorry, in June of two thousand fourteen, when Health and HealthKit were first announced, as I said, they really were just using iPhones and any third-party devices or apps that integrated with it. There was no real direct Apple attempt to do dedicated health and fitness tracking. The Watch obviously changed that, and so now you had the Activity app and the, all the explicit ways in which that tracks fitness and so on. Uh, and then ResearchKit uh, launched alongside that. And then a year later, March two thousand sixteen. Uh, Another event uh, where the watch was a major focus, uh, Care Kit was announced. So this is a third SDK in this kind of health kit family. This one is about managing treatment and so on for uh, conditions or uh, prepping and uh, recovering from surgery, for example, where you can uh, track uh, adherence to medications, you can track symptoms, you can track uh, measurements taken to, to track a condition and so on. And then you get a dashboard that sort of pulls all that information together and provides some insights. Uh, So that was announced in March 2016, so just over a year ago. Uh, Obviously, the Apple Watch has had additional... hardware since then. We're now at Watch OS 4 in terms of what's been announced and available through developer betas and so on. Um, both the hardware and the software have evolved fairly significantly, allowing better tracking of health and fitness and vital signs and so on. There have been some changes to uh, how core Bluetooth works on the Apple Watch to allow better integration with a wider range of devices and so on. So a whole range of things were announced this summer um, at WWDC, but in total, the Apple Watch got probably 12 minutes of stage time in what was a very busy WWC keynote. And so my theory about why Apple did the series of briefings last week is that they really didn't want people to get the impression they weren't moving forward in these areas and they wanted to kind of remind everybody of where they've got to. And so I came away kind of surprised at the breadth of what's now being offered by Apple and third parties working together in this area. Um, and I think that's really the point here is to sort of say, hey, this is history. We've talked about this at various points in the past. But, you know, watch how this all comes together. And and when they do that in a way that they haven't really done at any public events, it really was quite impressive kind of what the, the sheer breadth of what they're offering now is.
1: Well, and there's a clear theme that comes out of this history you just uh, uh, related to us, which is um, a heavy reliance on third parties. I mean, they, you know, this, like there were a lot of developer kits in the history of the way Apple has been approaching health and that just, is is essentially Apple's way of saying we're not gonna even attempt to do all this. We just want to be a useful central resource for these exciting things to happen. I think that's really fascinating. I you know, you're probably gonna talk about that a little bit, but this uh and you hinted at already with the um with the 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 briefing you were able to attend down in LA. Give us a summary of kind of where they are now. I mean it's like you said, it's, it feels like a lot of it, I don't want to say it's hidden, but it's not just right there in front of the public the way, you know, so many of their other products and services are. So kind of wrap that up for us and help us understand where Apple is now with all of this.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I wrote a piece for Tech pinions last week off the back of this set of briefings, and I would give a good summary. I'm going to go into a bit more depth in our discussion here today. But the way I kind of kicked off that piece was to talk about the Health app itself. And if you have an iPhone, you can pull that Health app up. Um, and it comes pre-installed in iOS from from iOS 8 onwards. And when you do that, you kind of get presented with these four rounded, rounded squares at the top, um, which really are a good indication, I think, of the four domains that Apple thinks about here. Um, and those domains are activity, mindfulness, nutrition, and sleep. And so the briefings I had kind of focused on those four things. What's missing from that is is medical, uh, which I'd argue is a fifth domain that's really important and where a lot of the research kit, care kit stuff kind of comes in. And so I'll talk about that as well as those four domains. But, you know, the Apple Health app as it stands today is kind of still the sort of central point where all this stuff comes together. Um, You know, you've got things like body measurements, you've got health records if you want to keep sort of personal records in there. Um, some health providers actually make special files available that you can import into there which should be really nice still not the case for the vast majority of people uh, and their health systems there is reproductive health area and there now Uh, there are results so if you take tests and then have results from those like blood glucose and that kind of thing and then there are vitals so there's your blood pressure and Uh, your heartbeat, your heart rate, essentially, your respiratory rate, your body temperature. You know, if you take those things manually or if you have a device like the Apple Watch that tracks your heart rate, that will show up there and then give you sort of access to those things over time. So those are the four broad areas, activity, mindfulness, nutrition, and sleep. And then the ones I just talked through are kind of the various data points that can be stored in the app and accessed. And, you know, each of those can be fed either manually by you inputting stuff. They can be fed from third-party apps. Uh, that track those things or by third-party devices, or they can come in through something like the Apple Watch or the iPhone through tracking things, using the sensors in those various devices. And then there's also an area where you can set up a medical ID and you can, as I said, register for organ donation and so on. And and within that, you can also control which apps interact with all of that. But it's worth talking through each of those four domains that I mentioned uh, and just talking about kind of where Apple is. But to your point, Aaron, how third parties integrate with all of that. Because you could argue... Apple kicked off its health stuff formally in 2014, but... You could argue it all really started in 2008 when the App Store was created, because that was when Apple opened the door to third parties, creating apps to integrate with fitness trackers, to create apps to take advantage of the motion co-processors on the iPhone and so on, to track exercise and workouts and so on. Uh, And so it was really a third party only thing for a long time until Apple created the health app. And third parties are still a really important part of this. And although Apple feels like it's going deeper and deeper into some of these areas over time, there are still some of these domains where Apple's really letting third parties do a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, and that's because other third parties have the expertise. Um, Apple doesn't feel like it has any kind of unique contribution to make. Um, it's because some of these things require FDA approval and so on if you're doing diagnostic or treatment related stuff. So there's all kinds of reasons why Apple isn't as deep in some of these areas. Uh, but I suspect its first party involvement will deepen over time. But for now at least there's a balance of what Apple's providing in first party stuff. Uh, what it's providing by way of tools and then what third parties are doing with those tools. And it's worth talking through that a bit. So in the activity domain, obviously the Apple Watch is pretty central to this. Uh, The Workouts app that runs on uh, the Apple Watch is is another key component. And then the activity app on the phone that integrates with that and syncs with it, but then also can pull in data from other third-party applications and so on as well. You know, those are all the first-party things. And Apple's kind of upgraded each of those things this year uh, the Apple Watch hardware hasn't changed this year yet, probably will later on. Uh, but the software is changing to enable new things. So there's better swim tracking where it can now automatically detect sets of different strokes while you're swimming and uh, give you lap times and so on for distinct strokes so that you don't just get a summary for your whole workout, but you get it broken down into uh, these distinct sets. They've now added support for high, in- high intensity interval training, hit training, uh, which, you know, is a type of exercise that's actually quite hard to track. But Apple's done a lot of work in its health lab where it does tons of tracking, has lots of sophisticated equipment to really measure what people are doing and then it translates that into algorithms that then go into your Apple Watch. Uh, they now have found really great ways to measure hit training and that's now an explicit category uh, and then the activity app and the workouts app, they're going to do better coaching and so on, help you be and and be more proactive in helping you reach your goals, kind of detect what you usually do and maybe prompt you when you're not working out the time that you usually do and say, do you want to go for a workout today? Or to say, hey, you know, mid-afternoon, maybe you're still a little short of your goal for the day. If you went for a 20-minute walk, you would achieve your goal. So being a bit more proactive, a bit more personalized than just the sort of generic prompts that the app has offered so far. So those are sort of the first party things. The Apple Watch, the Workouts app, the Activity app. Uh, The tools then that Apple's offering up to developers is WatchKit for building apps for the watch. So third party fitness tracking apps, for example, can use the sensors to do their own tracking. Uh, There's HealthKit that we've mentioned already for feeding data into the Health app. There's also now GymKit. This was another announcement from this summer. And this is about fitness equipment integrating with the Apple Watch. So the vision here is that you take your Apple Watch and you tap the uh, watch to a treadmill or a bike or something at a gym or potentially in your own home and that then syncs up with the device such that now all the information that either device has is available to both so your heart rate which has been tracked very accurately by the watch will be fed to the machine the machine is measuring your incline the intensity of your workout and that kind of thing feeding that back to the watch and so the two are in sync and remain so throughout the duration of your workout. And I saw some uh, a demo of this um, at the event and the briefings that I went to. Um, and it's you know it, it works just as you would expect it to. One of the cleverest things about it is, and I think we've all done this, I've got on a treadmill, I've been going for 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, I forgot to start my workout. Well, the nice thing is you can tap your watch to the machine at any time during a workout that's been started on the machine itself and it will sync back to the beginning of that workout so even if you get to the very end and you go oh darn it i forgot to start my workout as long as the screen hasn't kind of gone blank and moved on to um you know getting ready for the next person to get on it you can still sync and it will sync back your whole workout and all the information throughout um so that you can have a full record um so it's got some clever stuff like that i think there's really interesting potential for deeper integration with something like the iphone um you know you've probably all if you've been to a gym you've plugged in your 30 pin connector if you have an old iphone if you're really lucky they might have a lightning connector to connect a more recent iphone um but you plug in your phone and maybe it can play music through the, through the speakers or something on the exercise machine. But Once you're syncing like this, there's no reason why in future you shouldn't be able to play video from your iPhone through the big screen on the exercise equipment instead of having to use your iPhone screen or have notifications from your phone pop up on the screen You know, in a way similar to sort of CarPlay integration and how that works. So I think there's a ton of potential here that, that could happen in future. They're not working on any of that right now as far as I know, but there's clearly more potential there. So kit's really interesting, and that's a new thing this year. And then Core Bluetooth has been on the Apple Watch since the beginning, but originally it was limited to a very narrow set of categories, mostly to uh, chest straps for measuring heart rate. And uh, Apple's now opened it up to many other devices, and so there are other devices now that are coming out which are taking advantage of that Core Bluetooth uh, tracking. So... Uh, from a third-party perspective, you've got the fitness apps that have always been there that they are able to do more now. You've got these gym machines that will be coming later this year uh, from a variety of some of the big names in this business. And then you've got coaching apps, which are doing some interesting stuff now too. So if you are a fitness coach... You can do some interesting integration there with the social sharing features in the activity app, for example, to keep track of what the people that you coach are doing, give them encouragement, for example, uh, if they look like they're achieving their goals, give them a prompt if they haven't uh, done a workout yet today and, you know, get a lot of data that way. But also coaches in a sort of a gym class environment can also use these apps and some other apps in interesting ways now, and I saw some demos of that. So there's a lot of stuff in that activity space That certainly feels like the area of this that's most fleshed out from both Apple and third parties at this point. And there's still obviously potential to do more there, but it feels like it's become pretty comprehensive around activity, especially if you add in all the third-party fitness trackers that you can get as well. Um, The second domain is mindfulness. Um, And this one, Apple hasn't done a ton yet directly. There are lots and lots of third-party apps like yoga and meditation apps and so on. Uh, Last year, Apple did add the Breathe app to the Apple Watch, And so that um, prompts you to take some deep breaths several times a day to sort of uh, get out of your stress a little bit and kind of relax a little bit. Uh, And obviously through HealthKit, there are various ways to measure some of the things that you might want to do to improve and increase your mindfulness. Uh, But that feels like an area that's still pretty uh, thin from an Apple first-party perspective, where most of the heavy lifting has been done by third parties. And that's fairly true for the next two domains as well. So in nutrition, the health app, you can put in your calories consumed and that kind of stuff there. But there's not a lot of first-party functionality there. But through HealthKit, developers can build food tracking apps, recipe apps, various other things, even devices. So I saw a smart um, water bottle that can measure how much you've drunk, you know, how much you've poured into it, and then how much of it you've drunk during the course of the day to track your water consumption, for example. And mm-hmm. there have been other examples of that kind of thing. But I also saw an app where you could take a picture of food And uh, it would detect what the food was, and then you just have to put in the portion size or whatever. And so easier ways to track consumption, which can always be one of the more frustrating aspects of trying to stay uh, on top of tracking a diet or something can be actually manually entering a lot of the food stuff. So there are barcode scanning apps. There are ones where you take pictures of the food and so on to kind of streamline that process a little bit now. So Apple's enabling all of that through its standard SDK and then through health kit as well to feed that information back into the health app. But Apple really isn't doing very much itself there to enable or to streamline that tracking. Pretty much all the innovation there has been done by third parties. And then the fourth domain is sleep. And Apple has done a few things there. They're, they're pretty uh, pretty basic, I guess I would say, at this point. But there are some things that they've done to try to help people, um, especially to help mitigate the effects of using a device like an iPhone before you're going to sleep. And so a couple of those things. One is night shift which I think was introduced in iOS last year. And this basically uh, allows you to automate uh, shifting the screen subtly during the course of the evening from the sort of blue tones that you use during the day to sort of warmer tones at night because blue light from devices is supposed to inhibit the production of melatonin, which is the chemical in your brain that makes you sleepy. And so they've got this night shift uh, function on the iPhone, which... um, shifts the colors on the device towards warmer tones and therefore mitigates the impact of those that blue light on your melatonin production so that's something i've had for a while now you can automate it and it just basically happens automatically every night we've got something called bedtime now on the apple watch where you say when you want to go to bed at night and it will prompt you and say hey do you want to start winding down start your bedtime routine so that you get to bed at a reasonable time and get a reasonable amount of sleep i kind of wish i could give that to my kids sometimes actually but uh uh, at any rate, it's, it's intended for grown-ups as well. Um, and then the other thing that Apple demoed in this connection, which was a bit tenuous but was interesting, was Siri Home Control. So you can have scenes set up through HomeKit where you can basically say, I'm going to bed now, and it will turn off all the lights, lock the doors, uh, close blinds, and so on. So part of your bedtime routine might also be using HomeKit-controlled devices. So it's not directly a sort of a health and wellness feature itself, but there's some interesting integrations there. And obviously HomeKit and HealthKit uh, are the two main sort of developer tools there. And then there are uh, third-party sleep monitors and so on. There are third-party devices that uh, are designed to track your sleep that you wear on your wrist or whatever, but there are also ones that go in your bed. There's one called Bedit It uh, that Apple demonstrated at the briefing that I went to, where it just is a sort of a strap that lies across half, you know, your half of the bed if you're in a double bed or the whole bed if you're in a single bed. And... Uh, Can measure how much you're moving around, can also listen out for snoring sounds and tell you how much time you spent snoring during the night, uh, that kind of thing. And then obviously there's the home devices that go with HomeKit as well. There's a whole range of stuff here for tracking your sleep and so on. That's something that Apple itself doesn't seem to have done a lot with. And the biggest barrier there, of course, is the Apple Watch battery life, even though it's significantly better in version two of the hardware, still doesn't reliably make it through two full days. And so Uh, Trying to track sleep is a tricky thing with a device that you tend to take off and charge at night. And Apple says that most people like to take their watches off at night anyway. So I don't sense that that's something that's going to be coming from Apple anytime soon as a first-party functionality. Um, But lots of third-party stuff that will do that for you. Um, So those are the four domains that are kind of in the health app. And then the fifth one that I talked about in my Tech Opinions piece, and which was certainly a focus at this Apple briefing that I went to, is the medical domain. And this really kicked off with the research kit and care kit stuff that Apple's announced over the last couple of years uh, because those allow for medical researchers to integrate with the iPhone and do interesting things there from a medical research perspective. And then in the case of care kit, allow healthcare providers to create apps that allow people to track conditions over time or to prepare and recover from surgery. And so I saw some really interesting examples of that. Um, with uh, there's a, a medical system called Sharp in San Diego, which has an app for people uh, prepping for and recovering from cataract surgery. Uh, and that app basically uh, helps them make sure they do the things they need to do or stop doing the things they need to stop doing before surgery. So you know a lot of older people who have cataract surgery will be on aspirin for heart issues uh, and so you can't be taking blood thinners before surgery and so they will prompt you in the app to stop taking your blood thinners several days before and this is all stuff that the doctor will have told the patient you know a week or two week or a month or whatever before uh, surgery but it's hard for people to remember to do this stuff and so having an app that proactively prompts you or we can check a box to say yep i've stopped taking those now um it solves a big issue in the medical field, which is canceled surgeries. Surgeries have to be canceled at the last minute when everybody's all ready to go, including the patient, uh, because uh, the patient hasn't adhered to the things they needed to do p- before surgery. So uh, it can help with that sort of adherence to the instructions before surgery. And then after surgery, can help them track their symptoms, report any adverse symptoms, report their pain levels and so on, uh, track their recovery, even take pictures of their eye if there's something they're worried about after cataract surgery. So the Sharp uh, medical app is really interesting for kind of taking advantage of care kit for, for tracking this stuff. And what they say is that they've seen uh, increases in adherence to treatment plans, both before and after surgery. It allows patients who have questions to more easily contact doctors and so on, because there's a way to do that in the app to get feedback on should I be worried about this or that, or you know I need to get a prescription for more pain medication because I've got worse pain than I thought and so on. So lots of interesting stuff there. And then um, from a research kit perspective, lots of interesting stuff being done there too. Uh, One of the apps I saw was a WebMD pregnancy tracking app. And this is an app that's just a consumer app. Women who are pregnant can download it and track their... their pregnancy or get instructions or information about you know what's happening in my body at this point during the pregnancy and how big is my child and you know what are your health recommendations for me at this stage and can I drink this or that or is this food safe to eat and things like that so there's lots of interesting stuff there just from a consumer perspective but there's also a tab there where uh, women who are using this pregnancy app can opt in to be part of a research kit study uh, that will track symptoms track uh, conditions and so on and then connect that together with the baby being born prematurely or being born with other symptoms and so on so that they can be tracking over time. And one of the notable things here is with research studies, um, on pregnancy, and really most research studies in general, they tend to be very focused on big cities because that's where the big medical research centers tend to be. And so they tend to do a really bad job of tracking rural populations. And one of the things that WebMD says is that they've seen really good participation among rural populations with this pregnancy app because you never have to go to a big medical center. You just track it all in the privacy of your own home. And so that's that's been a powerful shift there as well. And then I saw some devices taking advantage of that core Bluetooth in the medical field as well, and reporting either to the phone or to the watch, um, glucose monitoring and things like that. So there's lots of interesting stuff there. Um, so research studies, medical devices, care apps, and so on, um, you know, those are some of the sort of third-party things that are being built off Apple's tools. So that's kind of a quick run-through, or perhaps not so quick run-through, of those sort of five <laughs> domains that I talked about there.
1: Well, it's interesting because it, it that's a lot. I mean, you know, when you think of Apple's health effort here, it doesn't at least in a consumer-facing way, it doesn't feel nearly as expansive as what you've described. It also has an interesting feel. I'm curious what your thoughts are. It has a feeling of like just sort of throwing stuff out there and seeing what sticks kind of an idea, which is not a typical way for Apple to to, uh, approach a product category. Yet that kind of seems a little bit more like what they're doing here where they've essentially set up a whole bunch of developer kits for all kinds of different domains. And, uh, you know, obviously encourage some partnerships to, to sort of show the way and blaze the trail. But, but yet a lot of this health endeavor sort of it seems almost like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff. Everybody go make cool things and let's see what happens. I, I mean, yeah. it, 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 I guess this leads into the question I want, really wanted to ask, which is where is this all headed? I mean, this, right. you know, this is obviously a rapidly evolving strategy, but also not one that has a really clear and obvious path. And so I'm curious where you think this is all going.
0: Yeah, I, I think you make a great point. I think in this area and in the home area, Apple's really departed from its past strategy where it's really opened a lot of this up to third parties and, say, and said, you know, see what you can create here. You know, we're not trying to own all of this. We're not trying to control it in detail. You know, and in HomeKit, I think that's meant that it's taken a couple of years for things to really get going. And even now, it still feels like we're pretty early in Uh, development of devices that work with HomeKit and really the sense that you can create a really great automated home experience. Um, you know, I think we're seeing that with this health domain as well, where there has been lots of great stuff created, but it's inconsistent. It's in a lot of different patchy areas, but there isn't necessarily this sort of blanket coverage of the space. Um, yeah, Apple's been doing a good job with discovery lately. So if you go in the health app and you go into some of those domains, it'll show you a little video about, you know, good uh, good practices or whatever in that area. But it'll also show you examples of apps that can help you track Uh, or help you get better at those areas. So they they are highlighting some of those third-party apps and so on more now. So I think that's part of this. But it is a different strategy. It's Apple kind of taking a step back and saying, we're going to own these pieces, and then the rest is going to be up to the ecosystem, essentially. And so that is a bit different. And it means there's less control, there's less consistency. um, And it means that not every experience is going to be up to, you know, the standards that Apple would want to pursue if it was doing this stuff on a first-party basis. And I've no doubt that it's going to push deeper into some of these areas over time. So sleep certainly feels like one of those. Nutrition definitely feels like one of those as well. Um, and so I think it will get deeper into those areas as it feels it can make a unique contribution by using the skill set that it has. But I think it's going to continue to cede a lot of the opportunity here to third-party developers. Um but to get to your other question about kind of where this goes from here, I think one of the single biggest things that springs to mind is, is medical records. And as I mentioned at the beginning, there's already a field in the health app where you can uh, sync up with you know, one of the few providers that, that provides a special category of medical records. But there have been a lot of stories over the last few months about Apple working on something in medical records. And this continues to be one of the biggest single frustrations for people in many countries is the lack of really uh, standardized electronic medical records where you can... Uh, You know, a great example of this is we've moved a couple of times in the last five years, and each time we've had to go to our previous pediatrician and say, can you give us all the information so we can take it to our next pediatrician? And in both cases, we had to wait for them to physically photocopy paper records and then to fax them to the next pediatrician or us to go physically pick them up and take them and then hope that the next pediatrician took good care of those and so on. So there's still very cumbersome processes around medical records. And and there have been a lot of efforts to... Uh, make these records electronic and to make them consistent. There's also lots of regulation concerning how these records can be shared. So the HIPAA laws and so on, if you've been to a doctor's appointment or signed up with a new doctor anytime in the last few years, you'll have signed a document that specifically deals with HIPAA compliance and says, you know, you're happy to share certain records and so on and have, and you're happy with the way that the doctor is going to keep those records and all that kind of stuff. And there, there are some severe limitations on what can be done here. So, you know, it feels like from the beginning, Apple's approach, and especially once they started doing stuff with ResearchKit, to take a step back for a second, I've i I've used to cover enterprise technology for a few years, and medical was always a big vertical that they talked about, and it was always this talk about how it's going to be transformed and all the rest of it, but it always felt like it was very top-down. So it was, you know, we're going to sell this huge solution to a big medical provider, and then they're going to roll it out to all their people, and nothing really ever came of it. And a lot of it was red tape, and a lot of it was cultural. Uh, A lot of it was, you know, the regulation around this stuff. And what struck me with ResearchKit is it's kind of bottom-up. It was basically saying we're going to empower every individual user of an iPhone, for example, to make their own decisions about which research studies they want to be part of and then just opt into them and be part of them, you know, without having to have somebody explicitly reach out and so on. And so it's really empowering the individual. And I think we could see that approach happen with medical records where you know apple could create a format probably in partnership with others uh, where you could start to store your own medical records on your iphone would be obviously secured and encrypted and all the rest of it and and you know shared in a way that's very much controlled by you but you know start to create some ways to to streamline that process that feels like one of the single biggest areas where i think you know apple can make a big difference and certainly they've been reported to be working on some stuff there um and then i think they'll just kind of deepen their uh, their um their activity in in the domains that I talked through, you know, activity have already done a ton there, but there's still more to be done there. Potentially, obviously the watch hardware is going to continue to evolve and do more interesting tracking over time. There'll be more interesting third party devices that track other vitals and things, and that feed into either the watch as a piece of hardware or into the activity and health apps and so on. So they're going to continue to deepen their presence in a lot of these different areas, probably make some acquisitions. Uh, Sleep tracking would be another one that they could certainly do more in. Um, nutrition as I say they could do more there so and I think we'll see more of these SDKs you know these kits essentially that they've released where there'll be more and more that various medical systems can do to take advantage of those and to take advantage of the hundreds of millions of iPhones that are out there and that you know really allow for a lot of really interesting bottom-up type innovations in in the medical field.
1: Yeah well it 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 feels like it's going to continue its evolutionary path the way it's been over the last few years rather than... I mean, there obviously is some strategy here. I don't want to imply that Apple's just kind of doing whatever feels right, but but uh, it definitely feels like there are going to be interesting and new changes that that are still unexpected as they keep working down this path. This is a great uh, question of the week. Thanks for all that research. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, no problem. And obviously, thanks to Apple for the briefings that made it yeah. possible as well. Um, we'll include a link in the show notes to the Tech Pinions piece that I did that gives a sort of a briefer summary of what I've talked through today and has some links to some of the third party stuff that I talked about as well. So uh, look for that if that's of interest to you. Uh, we will have our News Roundup episode for you tomorrow afternoon as well. So we're recording this on Thursday. It should go up sometime on Thursday as well. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, a News Roundup will be up tomorrow. Uh, just to give a quick plug again for the other podcast that I've been doing for the last several weeks now, which is the Tech Narratives podcast, in which I do a daily roundup each weekday of the day's top news as uh, covered by me on the Tech Narratives uh, website. So I'll include some links in the show notes to that as well. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll be with you again tomorrow with the News Roundup. Bye-bye.